Our reading this morning comes from Philippians chapter 4, from verse 10. Paul writes, I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I've learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to, be, to abound. And in, in any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble, and you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Thanks, Jim, for, um, and thanks, Philippa, for leading us in that prayer. And I, um, I think it's been really great to pray um, this month through some of the ministries of our church. It's been really good for us to be able to focus on that, and um, I've really enjoyed it, and I've really enjoyed being able to highlight some things. Now, um, Oh, before I start, well, actually, Philippa already kind of introduced us, didn't I? My name's Andrew, if you saw me stand up, and I have the privilege of pastoring here and um, sharing the word with you this morning. And for those of you that have been here for the last few weeks, you might have noticed we didn't read out of Jonah, and we're in the middle of a series on Jonah. Why aren't we reading out of Jonah? Well, this week, we're taking just a, uh, a, a furlough or a... What do you call that? A gap year or a gap week out of our... Um, that's, the, that's the common terminology now, isn't it? We're taking a, out of our theme on Jonah. And this week we want to look at giving. And um, we want to talk a little bit about giving and for two good reasons. And I, I think there's two reasons that we want to look, look at it this morning. And first one is, as Joel shared with us last week and again, Philippa, this morning, that um, how we're pretty much on track with our budget and... We think that focusing on giving is good to do when you're doing well, not just when you aren't doing well. So we want to focus on our giving. We want to be thankful and we want to see why that's a good thing. Not just a good thing because the stress is off the resource team. That is a good thing, right, Paul? But that's not the only good thing. It's a good thing for the kingdom. And, um, uh, you know, the word helps us to understand that. It's good for us to see that together. So that's the first thing. And the second reason is, yes, we do have our annual first fruits offering coming up next week. And although that's kind of, and Philippa kind of alluded to it, although that's kind of a usual thing, you know, if you're anything like me, um, encouragement 
and understanding why something happens or why it might be important or why it's a good thing is always helpful. And I believe that it's good for us as a community to know that. So we're talking about giving because we want to be thankful and we want to see what it does in the kingdom. And we're talking about giving because we're going to be giving next week and we want to be encouraged and see what it means for us to give. <clears throat> we want to see the fact that our budget on track is a blessing but also that the way we continue to give regularly and in special offerings can be a blessing to us, beyond us, but also for the kingdom in a very real way. And that's really clear in the way that Paul talks to the church in the, the Philippian church. Before we start, though, we do need to understand something. That giving as followers of Christ is not just about money. It isn't. And I think, you know... Um, that's where my head goes, and that's probably where your head goes, but it isn't just about money. It's about the three T's, isn't it? It's about time, talent, and treasure. You know, we give our time, we give our talent, the time. Um, that's something that God calls us to give, and we give that to things that are valuable to us. We give our talent to things that are valuable to us, whether that be our career or where God calls us to serve, and our treasure, which... Um, is we want to plant and our treasure what's valuable to us. And whilst that's true, whilst giving is about those three areas, it's not just about money, we are going to talk about the treasure part this morning because that's what Paul's talking about here. And it's in, it, it's in the context of giving um, that we need to talk about treasure because it's probably the one we talk about less easily. It's probably much easier to have a little bit of a, a life group or a small group talking about how we deal with our time. And even like with our talent and challenge each other that we should use our talents for the kingdom. But it's harder when we confront each other on the whole area of treasure and giving. Paul has no shame in doing that, you know, in a number of places. And it's quite interesting. No one likes talking about money, especially in the church. And you'll hear things like, well, it doesn't feel spiritual. You know, it's not spiritual to talk about money, you know. We talk about that on Mondays or when we're at the bank. But if that's the case, why did Jesus have so much to say about money? And in fact, the Bible doesn't even just give a passing mention to generosity, does it? In fact, the entire narrative of Scripture is the story of God's indescribable generosity to people. And the call and the motivation for us to follow that and, and, and act and follow that model of generosity in all ways. So that's also that time, that treasure, at the time and the talent and the treasure. Now, Paul understood that too. He understood that giving was important, not just for his or for the church's survival, but Paul um, realized that giving is important for the giver, but also for the way that the kingdom grows and for the way that the world sees God. You know, when it's, it's, it's one thing for us to display the character of God in all sorts of other, you know, he's loving, he's, he's, you know, he's faithful, and we love singing songs about that. But what about God as a giver, a generous giver? You know, what about modeling ourselves after that? Paul never shied away from talking about it. Not only did he talk about it, he asked for it and he thanked people for their gifts. But at the end of Philippians where we read, we see something incredible. Paul believes that the Philippians will actually benefit from giving to him. Not because he is anything special, but because he believes that giving towards the progression of the gospel will bring, will bring great blessing to the kingdom, to the kingdom of God 
and to the life of the believer. So let me say that again. It's not he he doesn't he doesn't tell them that you'll benefit from giving just because you'll benefit personally, and not because been, you know giving to him because he's some kind of special guy. And if you give to him, well, then there's going to be blessing. But he believes that giving towards the progression of the gospel, the movement of the gospel, will bring blessing to the kingdom and blessing to the life of the believer. So in light of those two reasons that we talked about, the fact that we're thankful that our budget's on track and and that we have our first fruits offering next week, I want to be just practical today. So it's going to be a fairly practical message and look at some of the fruit of giving and the blessings that it brings. And these could easily be applied to all of those three areas. It could be applied to the time and the talent and the treasure. But I want to be a little bit practical and have a look at them. But as we prepare to give financially in our first fruits offering, and as you pray this week, as Philip challenged us to do, let's think about and pray about, God, what do you want me to do here? What, how do you want me to give and what do you want me to give? I think these things will encourage us as we look at the Word. Giving does a number of things. It does lots of things, and I'm not going to be able to cover them all. It's not limited to these, but I want us to look at a few things. So the first thing I want to have a look at, and they'll be up on the slide, so it's a little bit easier to follow. Giving helps us to submit to God's lordship. And you might think, wow, that's interesting. How does giving help me to submit to? Well, any act of obedience is a recognition that there's a higher authority at work, isn't it? Any time that you act in obedience to something, you're recognizing there's a higher authority. Any act of obedience is a recognition of that. There's a higher authority in our lives and that there is a Lord over us that we need to honor and respect. And some things, depending on our character or our personality, might be easier to obey than others. There might be things that you find really easy to obey and so there's no problem with submission there. But there's other things that you find more difficult to obey. And that's depending on who you are, your personality, your character. And, you know, mothers will talk about their kids with different characters, how they see that in their kids. You know, last night we were at a birthday party and we had the character of the three different kids in the family. Um, and that's true for all of us. Where our submission is really tested then is where the nature of the situation makes obedience more difficult for us. But for most of us, money is one of those areas. And I think, you know, we can get a little bit indignant when we hear that and we can sort of think, no, it's not. But it often is because it's a difficult area. It's one of those areas that we, you know, someone said, our wallet is often the last stronghold to fall to God's rule. And then even when it does, we quickly rebuild it and resecure it. Can you identify with that? Let me say that again if you can't, because I could after I read it a couple of times. Our wallet is often the last stronghold to fall to God's rule. And then even when it does, we quickly rebuild it and resecure it. You see, when we realize that obedience and recognizing God's lordship over us isn't scary and it's not threatening, but it is key to our walk with God, we let go and giving becomes easier and giving actually helps us in submitting to the lordship of Christ. So number one, giving helps us submit to God's lordship and so it's good for us. And the second one, giving reflects God's own heart, doesn't it? God is the giver of every good and perfect gift. And I've got that James says that 
In James chapter 1, verse 17, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and it comes down from the Father of lights with whom there's no variation and no shadow of turning. God is the giver of every good and perfect gift. And as image bearers and as followers of Christ, we're supposed to copy him, aren't we? And there's some things that it's easier to copy him in than others, isn't it? But we're called to copy him in this too. That as God is the giver of every good gift and we're called to model ourselves after him, that we become like that, we copy his giving and that we be pictures of his big heart. What do people think of God when they see the way that you give or you use your resources or your finances? What picture would they have of God? You know, if they could have a little peek in what you give, whether you do that electronically or whether you put it in a basket or whether you give to, to me or whatever you give to, if they could have a little picture of that and that was going to be, and on the basis of that they decided how generous God is, how generous would God be? That convicted me when I was sitting in my office. How big and generous is God? What do people think of God when they see the way that you give? So giving reflects God's own heart. So the next one is giving illustrates salvation. So it helps us submit to God's lordship. It reflects God's own heart, but it illustrates salvation. It's a picture. of so Giving is what God did in salvation, isn't it? At the heart of the gospel is sacrificial giving. You know, John 3 verse 16, you know, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That's why when we read Paul's word to the Corinthians, if you read this, those chapters in Corinthians where Paul is sort of challenging them about their giving and that's where we get that cheerful giver, you know, and I decided not to use that verse because everyone goes, oh, you know, well, that's not so cheerful after all, is it? Yeah, but that, that whole thing, when Paul's talking in Corinthians, he's encouraging him to give and he, he, he points to the person and the work of Christ. He links those two things, doesn't he? He links the whole concept of salvation and the way that God gave, that Jesus gave his life with the giving that he's calling um, the Corinthians to. And he calls it the grace of giving, doesn't he? He links those things strongly. In 2 Corinthians 8 verse 9, I think we've got that one. Oh, here you go. But as you excel in everything in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness and, and in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace. Now, this act of grace, he's talking about giving financially. He's challenging them to give. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. So he's drawing this connection between salvation and giving, that there isn't a difference. It's a different form of giving but it's giving and it illustrates salvation. See that you abound in this grace also. See, when we give, and we give sacrificially for the benefit of others, we're living and softly preaching the gospel of salvation. Giving progresses the gospel. And we never think of it like that. We just think of it as, you know, giving keeps the church staff, you know, in food and rent and, and whatever or a few of the ministries. But giving progresses the gospel because it illustrates salvation. Giving helps us to trust God's provision. He is able, just like we sing and say. So giving helps us submit to God's lordship. It reflects God's own heart. It illustrates salvation. And it helps us to trust God's provision. 
This is an interesting one. You know, the biggest deterrent to giving is fear. The fear that if I give away too much, I won't have enough for myself. Or I won't have enough for this thing. Or that thing. Or I won't have enough for my plans, those plans that I have. Yet when we give sacrificially, we're expressing our faith in God to provide for us. You know, the interesting thing, I used to often... um, have conversations with young people in my days when we, I was working for YWAM and young people that were run, wanting to give everything they had and wanting to give their life to missions and, and oftentimes you know, someone, some, you know, some parent or, or well-meaning person would say to them, look, you know, it would be a really good idea if you, if you got an education and you, you did a bit of a career so that you know, then you have, and we use that language, so then you have something to fall back on. Think of the irony of that statement. As Christians, who and what are we supposed to fall back on when things don't go well? And the biggest deterrent to giving is fear, isn't it? Because, you know, giving expresses our faith in God to provide for us, but not giving expresses our lack of faith in God to provide for us or provide for our family or our future or our plans or His plans, shall we say. And many of us here could tell stories of God providing enough and more than enough even though we gave more than we thought. You know, and I'm thinking about this point when in the office, and I thought, you know, I have lots of stories like that. I could spend a half an hour telling you miraculous stories of how God, when we were in missions, how God supplied amazing amounts of money. I didn't earn a wage for 12 years and travelled to over 60 countries in those years. You know, I, I can't tell you how it happened. You know, I could tell these amazing stories, but the embarrassing thing is it doesn't even stick with me. that my giving is still sometimes determined by fear, that I need to look after myself, that God might not. If I don't do it, who else will? Can you identify with that? Giving helps us to trust God's provision. It's a statement that we trust you, God, that we can give this to your kingdom, whatever you call us. And it could be a little bit, it could be a lot, because I know that you're able to provide. So giving helps us submit to God's lordship, it reflects God's own heart, it illustrates salvation, helps us to trust God's provision and giving builds and advances God's kingdom. It's what makes God's kingdom grow. Most of us have contributed to Microsoft and Apple in our lives, building their kingdoms. And how many of you contributed to Ford, Holden, VW, Toyota, Shell, Caltex? Need I go on? We've helped these companies to grow in their mission. Each of these have brought us some blessings, and that's for sure, especially if you're an Apple person. Right, Paul? We have this ongoing argument. But think of the blessings that could result when we fund the mission of Christ. Think of it. Think of it. When we pour money into these conglomerates, and, and we do that because we need to, but think of... And I just put a few things up there. I could have put more. I could have put the pictures of the staff up there in that room. I could have put... Think... Think of the blessings that could result when we fund the mission of Christ. And it's way beyond that. That's what we talked about and that's what we know is happening from here. Like the other things we support, we're funding resources for outreach, evangelism, Cavell Ministries, discipleship. And yes, we are paying the salaries of workers who lead us. But more than that, more than those things, we're investing in the spiritual and eternal welfare of people from all sorts of walks of life. Near 
right in our community. This week we had a lady walk in on Thursday morning into the, into the office. But also far, Luke and Agnes's work and Hope Builder's work in Uganda and other places, near and far. Our dollars are changing homes, families, relationships, futures, and sometimes the eternal destiny of souls. That's what giving does. You know, we'd like to live in a world where it wouldn't need money to do that. That Surely God can just go like that. Well, yeah, he can. But that's what giving does. When we give, we become channels of God's blessing and his grace. So our final one that I've got for you today. So it helps us submit to God's lordship, reflects God's own heart, illustrates salvation, helps us trust God's provision, builds God's kingdom, and it pleases God. It's worship. You know, we use that language sometimes and it sort of lost a bit of its oomph. But it is worship. You know, Philippians 4 verse 18, in our reading itself, he said, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And that isn't only chords and music and words. Giving is worship. It pleases God. When we give, we're saying we want to honor you, God, with this part of our lives too. We want to worship you and we want to put our money where our mouth is because you are truly worthy. If you think, God, that this is important, that this needs to happen, if you think that we should be, if this person needs to work for the kingdom, if you think that this ministry is going to benefit the community, and if you think that then you're worthy and, and you know best and we'll give to that. It's worship. It's how it works. There's probably plenty more, but I just wanted to share those with you this morning. And I thought those are so intensely practical. We never talk about giving like that. But they're really practical things to see that your giving isn't in a vacuum. That a church's budget isn't in a vacuum. It's, it's ordained by God to do greater things that you may never see. And you know, last week I, I just... Um, I, who was here last week? Who, who was here last week? Put your hand up really high. Who was here last week? How many of you heard Monica and Ali? Great testimony, good fun. But did you hear a little bit where Monica said she grew up in a non-Christian family but her mother sent her to a holiday vacation thing? And where was it? And who was it? It was Knox Gardens. It was this church. How many years ago? Who knew that a seed was planted then? And okay, we might have planted this, the church might have planted the seed, but years later it was watered and grew. Did it take money to run that program? This would be yes and this would be no. Who knew? It's a tiny example, but we have no idea. Our giving and our budget isn't in a vacuum. It has a greater purpose, and it has to be God's purpose, not ours. But we're called to be obedient and to serve Him in that, just as we're called in other areas. Okay, I'm preaching here. Back to my notes. These are just a few ways that our giving works to bless us and others and how it bears fruit in the kingdom. But I guess giving communicates many more things, doesn't it? When we do it, and it communicates when we don't do it. It can say a lot about how we see our relationship with God, how we see our relationship with our church, how we see our role in life, maybe even our view of ourselves. When we give, it communicates something about us. And when we don't give, there's also really loud communication there as well. And as humans, we tend to give when we feel positive about things, don't we? That's pretty normal. You know, our giving, our time, our talent, our treasure is what I would call reactive, isn't it? 
Our giving is always reactive. If it's good and we think it's a really good thing, I'll give to that. You show me enough pictures of kids in trouble, I'll give to that. Our giving is reactive. You know, if someone's doing something we like or the church is doing a good thing or it's beneficial for us or we think it's the right thing and the best thing or we just really love that thing because it makes us feel good, we give to it. You know, I think a sermon, Tim Keller sermon, and it's always good to bring Tim Keller into the conversation, but I think of a Tim Keller sermon and he talks about giving and he talks about, you know, what if you were a dad whose son was absolutely, and I'll use an Australian, absolutely crazy about soccer, you know, and there was a final on and, and a tickets to the final between, let's make it between Victory and, and Melbourne City because we're here and they drew last night anyway, suckers, and... And let's imagine there's a final on and it's, it's pretty much, and the ex- tickets are really expensive. But your son really loves it. And he, Dad, I want to go. And, 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 and oh, all right, all right. And, and you pay for your son to go. You know, but it, it hurts a little bit. The Dutch would say it's a rib out of your side. They have that saying like that, you know. It hurts a little bit. But what if you are passionate about soccer as the dad? It's no problem. Sure, I want to go to that. You know, what if you're passionate? What if it's your thing? You're crazy about soccer. You live for sport. It's interesting how our giving is reactive. We give to things that please us, to make us feel good, or that we think are worthy, or are worth it in our estimation. We kind of want to have a guarantee that our sacrifice, if I give money next week and I give sacrificially, I want to be guaranteed that it's worth it, that the church is going to do the right thing with it. Well, fortunately for us, That's not the case with God. His giving was and is always proactive. The greatest and most sacrificial giving of all time was a proactive gift, wasn't it? Proactive to save us. It wasn't when we were with the program the way he wanted. It wasn't when we got perfect and we finally got good enough. You know, I shared that scripture last week, which I've done a lot of times in Romans, where it says, while we were still sinning, Christ died for us. That was proactive giving. I can't even match that. God's giving is proactive. It's not reactive. This has to be our example in giving as well. This has to be our prayer when we ask God how we should give. I'm excited about One Hope. I'm excited about the things that are happening at One Hope and, and, and the way that we're growing and the feel of the family and the stuff that John was sharing on the screen about leadership. We, we have a great team at the moment. I'm excited about what's happening one hope. And so, yeah, it's kind of easier to give now, isn't it? But God's command and desire for us to give isn't based on that. He just asks us to give. That's our part and that's our responsibility. We're accountable to God to give as he asks. The use of those gifts that we give in obedience and how the money is spent, etc., that's for those that God has called to be responsible and he will hold them responsible. He just asks us to be responsible to give. You know, and he's not just asking the wealthy to give. Sometimes people sort of switch off during these messages because, you know, I'm just a kid. I'm just a teenager. I have a part-time job and, you know, it doesn't, doesn't count for me. When I get rich, then I'll listen to God. It doesn't matter if you don't earn much. So you can't give as much. It's still important to give and see those blessings and fruit work out in and through your life as well. 
You know, and culturally there's been a shift, and I'm sure I've talked about this before, that from the time of our parents when it was seen as what we must do, it was a not negotiable. Despite the meagre funds that they had compared to the means that we have nowadays, seriously, even the young people, to now when we don't teach it, we don't model giving as an absolute and an expected spiritual discipline of a follower. You know, Todd shared with the spiritual disciplines, but that's not the first one that comes up in our mind. And it's just as relevant if you earn 20 bucks a week as if you earn $20,000 a week. Spiritual discipline doesn't, it, it's not attached to quantity, is it? You're called to give. And culturally, there's been that shift. We don't teach it and model it. It's, we t- it's an optional thing. And we make excuses about for it when we're young. And even as parents, we at times make excuses for our young people. Oh, they don't have much now because we think we're saving them now. But based on what I've shared today, we might be robbing them and the kingdom by doing that. We should be challenging each other to give so we don't rob each other. You know, I know it sounds corny, but as I read the word more and more in this area, and of course having to prepare a message, you read a little bit more about it. I realize that more than it being a responsibility or a call or a task, it actually is a privilege to give because we get to watch God do what he does. And we love reading books about miracles and things that God does. I like that. We love that sort of stuff. Oh, God did that. How cool. You know, when you give, you step in that place where you get to watch God do what he does in the normal stuff and in the supernatural stuff. And that's what we all get to be part of. As a family at One Hope, as individuals in other contexts. So the question this morning is, what will you give and how will you give it? I want to challenge you to pray this week. And, you know, First Roots Offerings, this is not just about First Roots Offering. Of course, we've got that coming up. And I think it's good for us as a church to talk about giving um, every now and then. But I challenge you to pray and ask God and say, you know, in one of these areas, you know, am I... You know, is, it, is fear one of those things? Is it something that I, you know, your lordship, is, is it one of those things that I'm having trouble to submit to? Be really honest with yourself. It's easy to do by yourself when you read this sort of stuff and you, you, know, you don't want to tell anybody else sometimes, but it is easy to do. And I want to challenge you also to pray with thanks this week and just thank God for providing everything that you need in your life. More than you need. I guarantee every one of us in this room has way more than we need. I challenge you to pray and thank God for that. And pray and thank God for providing us as a church with what we have. And then pray and ask God, how can I keep on building your kingdom with my giving? Deal? Let's pray. God, we will never outgive you. You are the greatest giver. Salvation is the greatest gift we've ever received. We can't compare that to money or to cash. We can't put a dollar figure on it. We can't put a figure, Jesus, on your life and the way that you sacrificed. And yet you didn't hesitate. And you called us to come after you, to model ourselves after you, to be like you to be people that are generous. And Lord, you know, I I pray that I never have to give my life physically in in a bad way for you. But Lord, there's so much more that I could give. And I pray, Lord, that you teach me to be generous. 
even in this area. Lord, with my time, with my talent, but definitely with my treasure. Lord, that our treasure would really, really be, like we say it is, in you. Lord, I pray that you would release the floodgates of generosity. Holy Spirit, this is not something we can do without you. We know that we need you. We know that we need you to work supernaturally in us. Lord, I confess that my natural tendency is to keep as much as I can for myself and to see how little I can get away with giving you, even for a first fruits offering. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would move supernaturally in me, in us, and show us how to be giver of good gifts after our Saviour. And Lord Jesus, we want to just be thankful that as we hear these messages, we hear that as saved people, people that belong to you, kingdom dwellers that are going to be with you. And as we heard yesterday, we can take risks because you don't. You've already secured our salvation. There is no risk. And I pray that you would teach us to live for you in a greater and a more generous way. Lord, we want to thank you for all that you give us as a church, as a church family. We want to thank you for all that you give us as individuals and families. And we thank you that we never, ever need to do without you, let alone stuff. So Lord, in that light, we pray that we would go into this week ready and prepared to be obedient to you in Jesus' name. Amen.